You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast, powered by Currency Cloud. This is Jeff Forkin, one of your hosts. I'm really excited to be joined by Rodrigo Suarez from Piermont Bank in New York City. Rodrigo, could you take a, a minute or two and just introduce yourself to the audience and a little bit about Piermont, maybe? Yes, of course. And, and thanks for having me, Jeff. I'm the head of innovation at Piermont Bank. Piermont is a new or a startup bank. Uh, we just got our charter around a year and a half ago in July of 2019. And we are currently working to launch our um, banking as a service initiative, which is what I'm primarily focused on right now. Um, and uh, for us, our, our, our banking as a service offering broadly is meant to you know, take the next step in what we believe it should be the right capability set for fintechs that want to launch products with a bank. We we know that banking as a service has been around for very bit, but but we believe there is room for a bank of our nature, a bank that's also a startup, to collaborate with fintechs and launching the right product propositions to their end users. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone in the industry and most of the audience here. We've BAS has been the new hot word for sure in the last few months. I think there's been three or four, you know, unit move, Alvier, to name a couple that have kind of launched and are, you know, I think before that we had really two or three at most. And so now we've basically the market for BAS companies has doubled in the last few months. So what are, you know, what are you seeing in the industry um, as far as your, and, and what is maybe some of your strategy as far as like, how are you going to be different from the uh, existing bass players? What, what's, what's your target audience too? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think what we're seeing is a response to a, you know, market need and significant potential in the bass space. You know, we believe that over the next few years, this market will grow in a significant way. So even with more competitors, uh, the pie will keep getting bigger, you know, at, at least again over the next uh, few years or so. In our side, what we are seeing is, you know, at a high level, maybe two different models out there. One where, from the bank's perspective, right? One where, uh, like the the bank is sort of like in the background, and it's really the technology provider and the API provider interfacing with the fintechs and um, trying to come up with a standard um, set of capabilities for them to launch financial services products. And another model where, where the bank is a little bit more involved and where the bank is also collaborating with, with the FinTech and the API provider in getting the right products to market faster and then providing a risk compliance expertise, um, as well as other you know, ways to collaborate with the FinTech to, to, to have a more robust proposition. Um, we, of course, believe in the latter model um, where we think, you know, having for the fintech that level of relationship with the bank matters. So our strategy is to you know, work with the right technology providers. And um, for our initial launch, we're partnering with, with Treasury Prime uh, to do that in a way where the fintech, the API or technology layer and the bank 
can you know work together in a mutually beneficial way to get things done faster and to get them done in in a way where from a long-term perspective, the fintech will have more um, flexibility. And I'll give you one very quick example, right? And in many cases, if the fintech wants to, you know, deviate from the standard um, type of capability or optionality at the technology layer, um, you need the bank to approve certain things or to make sure that the underlying banking pipes, if you will, support that. Um, you know, additional feature or whatever it is. So if if a fintech wants to be able to have that flexibility as it grows and scales and finds new ways to reach new segments and better serve their customers, um, we believe as a bank, like collaborating with those fintechs, uh, we would be providing a lot more value than, than just being a behind the scenes slash rent the charter player, which is what other banks have been doing. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you've, the way it started, what I guess maybe seems like it's probably been five, maybe between five and 10 years when this whole sponsor bank model came out. And at that point, it was really just, you know, rent the charter and do batch files, right? File transfer processes to do the, do the transactions. Um, and now we've evolved to where we have a BAS layer so that a fintech can actually connect to the banking services that it needs through technology. Um, that's that's robust and operationally efficient. Is um, from your perspective, what kind of programs do you see um, kind of leading the charge, or are you are you kind of focusing on a specific subsegment of the fintech programs? Uh, I know you know buy now, pay later is very big these days, uh, and a lot of companies are kind of focusing on the SME and B two B banking space. What's Piermont's focus? Yeah, so uh, maybe taking a bit of a step back, and I should have provided this in, in my intro, uh, Piermont is focused on serving SMBs. Um, so the initial um, thinking and in, in building the bank was to be hyper-focused on the SMB space. Um, and that's what we have been doing. Uh, we're targeting what we call the lower middle market space. So loans for us between, you know, one to $10 million, that's our definition. Um, and in our BAS initiative, um, what we are doing is prioritizing SMBs, not always SMBs that we would directly go after that fit that lower middle market space um, that I'm describing, but definitely, you know, SMBs um, that um, are within industry segments that we know well and that we are able to, um, through our fintech partners, provide the right capabilities to serve. So as far as examples, you know, we are looking at, you know, everything from, you know, the more, um, let's call them, you know, traditional or standard like SMBs that like an on-deck or a cabbage would be serving. So maybe smaller SMBs that wouldn't, you know, like get loans between like one to $10 million as I'm describing, but that also have the need to have like a player that provides the right, you know, banking products and services. Um, so anything from that to like, you know, even um, like, doing like earned wage access for like, you know, 1099 workers or other end users that we think of as 
fitting into that like broad definition of what an SMB or a micro business could be. Yeah, I think that's great. I mean, that's that's a niche that is underserved, definitely the SMB market. Um, most of these apps, you know, the programs that are out there are in banks are focused on either large corporates or consumers. And, and typically those SMBs, SMEs kind of get left out in the middle. Um, and they're, they're typically underserved. So I think there's a huge opportunity there. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit, a little controversial. Maybe you're not prepared for this question, but uh, what do you guys, how do you guys feel about crypto's hot, right? Like everyone's seeing the crypto prices go up. How are you guys, how are you guys approaching crypto? Do you, what are your thoughts on it? Do you plan to support any crypto transactions? So um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. So, so yeah, crypto is, quite interesting. Um, at this point, I wouldn't say that we're prioritizing the crypto space through our banking as a service um, offering. We are working with companies and banking companies and willing to bank companies in the crypto space um, as, you know, like more traditional banking relationships that not any bank would necessarily be prepared to, prepared to serve. Um, I think over time, as we see how the space evolves and as our own banking as the service um, initiative evolves, we'll assess whether, you know, crypto fits into the segments that we're prioritizing on that front. Um, but at this stage, we're just, you know, taking a deeper look into that broader area and, and you know, paying close attention to it before jumping on it directly. Um, I think there are banks that do that quite well. Um, and you know, to the extent that as time goes by, it makes sense for us to think about it in a deeper way. I think I think we would be willing to, to do that as well. Yeah, start, let's not start with boiling the ocean, right? Let's keep it simple as you guys launch the bank um, and your BAS platform and before you dive in headfirst to crypto. Yeah, and, and again, part of, uh, the rationale is what I described. We want to be focused and we want to, um, you know, really have the right way to support the, the, the right use cases. Um, and even with crypto being as hot as it is, um, you were saying it yourself, right? If you look at the SMB space um, and the commercial space more broadly, it has been lagging in um, innovation compared to the consumer space, right? We have seen a lot of interesting stuff happening in, in, in consumer. Um, our thinking is that there's still a lot to be done in the SMB and broader commercial space. Um, so that's what we want to focus on. We want to um, make sure that we are part of that wave of innovation in, in commercial and SMB in the same way that some of the earlier players were part of the initial wave of innovation in the consumer space. Yeah, it makes sense. And what is, so, you know, you're using Treasury Prime as your kind of banking as a service layer provider. What services are you guys going to roll out or are already rolled out through the layer? And how do you plan on, what's your roadmap, I guess, for the, for the products that you'll be able to offer? Yeah, so, so we have already rolled out a, 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 an initial set of products and our focus right now is on the deposit side. So that includes ACH, wires, um, deposit account, um, debit cards. That, that is our initial focus as far as 
you know, like the more standard banking products that and payment rails that support what we're doing. Um, over time, what we're also going to do is support fintechs, um, you know, potentially also on the credit side. Um, we are a commercial lender, um, and for us, fintech is a segment that we are um, also looking at as a segment that we are interested in, in lending to. So as we get to know some of our fintech relationships better, as we talk to other fintechs that have a need for a more cost-efficient credit facility, for example, to you know, support their own lending activity, um, that's something that we're also prepared to do in, 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 in the short term. And over time, you know, we'll evolve what we're doing and our um, suite of products to meet what we're seeing from our fintech partners and to meet the needs that we're seeing in the market for the industries and the SMB segments that we're um, supporting. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like I said, in the buy now, pay later segment, you see that evolving rapidly. Um, where you know, even B two B companies like um, Behalf.com are, you know, you're able to check out with Behalf, which is basically a short term cash advance to the to the merchant. Um, I think the apps and fintechs like that are super interesting. Um, and then, you know, that enables the buyers to move away from high interest credit cards and, and potentially be able to finance a transaction for a short period of time at no interest, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has been focused on consumer. So, you know, like there are other banks that I think are supporting that in, in, a, in a good way. You know, Cross River, I think, is a good example. You know, they're, it's public that they're working with, with a firm and with a few other um, lenders in that broader domain. We are looking at opportunities in the um, SMB and commercial space that maybe are still not, you know, adequately addressed uh, from, from that perspective. So I, I wouldn't say we want to go after that same consumer niche. We want to build a different one um, that makes more sense for us and for the type of lending that we want to do. Yeah, and so... From yeah, I know you guys just launched. Do you have any like lighthouse programs announced yet? Um, or do you have or do you have some lined up? What what's the status? I guess whatever you can share. Yeah, so we're we're currently in the process of rolling out a few. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to announce them very soon. Um, so a lot of work is going into bringing those live in the you know like coming weeks before end of month. Um, and then we'll have a few more uh, throughout the throughout the year, which we'll be sharing and, um, you know, hopefully having very good success stories around. Yeah, it's great. And so this you're expecting a couple to roll out in a few months and then you'll have more by the end of the year. And, and are you actually banking directly SMBs already? We are. Yeah, we are. Um, we have been, as I said, we got our charter in, in July of 2019. So. Over the last year, especially, we've seen very interesting growth. Um, you know, this is yeah. public information. So our, our asset size right now is at around 130 plus million dollars. Um, so our growth has been significantly, you know, like faster than a typical startup bank. We're, you know, both working with loan or lending relationships and deposit only relationships with. Uh, the core segment that I described. 
And were you involved in the bank charter process? Not to get into the weeds too much on this, but I'm sure some people would be interested to hear how that process was. And because there's not many startup banks like you guys out there. Yeah. So I, I was not, I joined the bank after. Um, so I can, I can get someone else to share some of those stories with you. <laughs> um, but we, we are the first New York state charter bank since the financial crisis. And I think that speaks to what you're saying, right? The difficulty of like getting a bank charter and, you know, building a bank, um, especially to meet the needs of what we're seeing out there, right? Like we, 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 we as a bank are not trying to just, you know, be another community bank, but really, you know, have a digital, um, you know, high touch hybrid approach that addresses the needs of the core segment, the SMB segment that I'm describing, as well as collaboration with fintechs, which we see as, um, you know, a mutually beneficial way to serve end users that are looking for digital first propositions. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. The first bank charter in New York since the recession. I mean, I can't imagine what the uh, the folks at Piermont had to go through to get that. It's probably been a long process, but congratulations on that. I think it's so great to see this startup bank. I think that's, you know, the regulatory hurdles are what holds our hold us back a lot in the US, I feel like compared to some of the other countries and, and you know, working at Currency Cloud, you see what's happening in the EU with you know, electronic money institutions. Um, they're a bit more adaptive and maybe innovative when it comes to the regulation. And hopefully in the US, we can get to that. I mean, we have the FinTech charter that's been released in the last year or two. I think a few companies have been approved for that. Um, but if that gets traction, it'll be really interesting to see where things go. Yeah, and, and and going back to what you were saying, I think part of what differentiates us is that we are, you know, our team has very experienced bankers. Um, so in other, in order to be like a regulated bank in in, in the U.S., you, you need to have that expertise, and and that's where in working with fintechs, we also believe that we have a very strong value proposition. When a fintech is launching financial services and financial products to their customer base, um, you know, regulation and compliance should always be, um, you know, very closely looked at. Um, and having the the right bank partner that has that expertise, I think, is is very important. Right? That's not something that you can really abstract from. No, definitely not. So, I mean, that's that's a huge advantage of Piermont for sure. What lessons have you learned in working with Treasury Prime and building this bass layer and, and launching or getting close to launching the first kind of fintech programs? Were there any kind of key learnings that you took away from that? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think there are a few things that we have realized this week at our first uh, fintechs up and running, right? Like one of the first things that we thought about, which we're now, you know, actually going through is you know, that when for for a relationship with a bank to be uh, fruitful and to be effective, um, you know, the the bank needs to be able to move and work um, in a way that's aligned with how the fintech or the startup is used to working, right? And that means, um, you know, having um, an alignment from a culture pers- perspective, 
um, not necessarily having all of this, you know, complex bureaucracy that a fintech should go through, but you know, really being able to to sort of like meet the fintech where where they are, right? And for us, being a startup bank, I think that has been something that we have been able to to do in the right way. Um, which basically comes down to moving at the speed of what a fintech would expect um, and doing things with like simple common sense approach, right? We, we, we know what we need to do to get a fintech um, to work with us. Um, and while there are certain things that we need to ensure are in there and are part of our due diligence and so on and so forth, um, we are also making our processes and um, our broader working relationship one where um, that level of alignment is there, right? And I, th I think that has been the main thing that we have learned. W without that component, um, it's very hard to make a bank fintech partnership work effectively. Um, so there's a lot of tension when a fintech wants to do things quickly and the bank is, you know, telling them to wait for three months to get certain documents approved. In our case, um, we are able to do our due diligence much faster and um, we're able to make decisions very quickly. And that's not just for um, what we have done with uh, our BAS initiative and Pentec, but with what the bank is doing more broadly, right? In our um, credit decisioning, we are able to make credit decisions um, in days instead of weeks. To close a commercial loan, we're able to do that in like, you know, end-to-end -end weeks instead of months. And, you know, that is maybe the, the most important thing that we have been able to learn and adapt to as we get the bank um, to um, adequately support the type of business that we want to do and to differentiate ourselves in, in, in the market. Yeah, I think that's a good point, especially on, you know, adapting to the fintech programs, because a lot of the programs that I've spoken to, we've had on this on the podcast, you know, they, it takes, it could take two years to launch a program um, and get approved by the bank. And then in addition, the banks have a lot of interest, right? So there are, you know, programs that are applying, uh, all over the place and you see a new almost a new sponsor new sponsor banks popping up all the time um so if you have that ability to really understand them better and probably what would be the average onboarding time for a program are you guys trying to bring that down to a much lower i'm assuming yeah so our our timeline right now is for so, so it depends on the fintech right so there are certain things where like I can't give you like a very like clear cut answer because um, fintechs are very different as, as you know, um, but we are able to have that initial conversation and, um, you know, come up with like a, an initial um, go, no go decision, if you will, um, in a week um, at most. Um, and then once we have like the due diligence requirements and documentation in place, uh, we're able to do that in a couple of weeks instead of months. Um, so that is what we're, you know, able to commit to from a timing perspective. We're able to commit to a, a turnaround of weeks to get a fintech onboarded instead of months, or as you said, in some cases, even longer than that. 
Yeah. Of course, ensuring that all of our requirements are are properly addressed, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, if you could even bring that down to three months, I think you know the and the I don't I've never heard of one happening in less than six. Probably more likely it's nine to twelve months, and then for some programs that are you know coming into the United States from overseas, it's more like twelve months to two years. Yeah, I, I would say for, for the industry segments that we're prioritizing um, and assuming that the fintech that we're working with, you know, meets the criteria that we have defined, we would be able to do it in, 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 in weeks, right? Like even six months, what you described is, is, is much, much longer than what we're planning for. Um, and it really comes down to like being able to make decisions in an efficient way. And being able to, um, you know, cut a lot of like the unnecessary bureaucracy that some of the legacy players have. Um, in our case, it's it's really, you know, we keep saying this, but it's really just, you know, coming at it from like a common sense approach, right? There's nothing more complicated than that. Um, and being able to think in an entrepreneurial way, and to um, realize that for a fintech you know, weeks, months um, are critical, um, right? Like we were aware that that is an issue with other partner banks, if you will. Um, and that's where we think our, our value is, right? And, and speed and being able to um, align on the cultural side um, with that entrepreneurial mindset that we have. Yeah. Do you, um, is there like an ability, say fintechs in the process of onboarding with Piermont, could they test the, uh, the API layer and start playing around or is that, how does that work? So right now with, with Treasury Prime, which is the, the partner that we're launching with initially, fintechs have the ability to start playing in Treasury Prime sandbox environment um, in parallel with our onboarding and due diligence process. Um, for us to allow that fintech to, to go live, we would of course complete all of um, our due diligence, but from a technical standpoint, they, they do have a way to uh, start plugging into that technology layer um, in parallel so that we decrease that overall time to market. Yeah, that's huge. That's another pain point that a lot of programs face is that they have to go through the due diligence process and get onboarded before they can even test their solution and see if it's it's working. Yeah, and 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 you know that's something that, to your point, like we're um, realizing is a is a gap and something that in working with Treasury Prime, we think we can come up with a really differentiated solution around. Yeah. Um, well, excellent. It's been awesome to have you on, Rodrigo. I'm super excited to see where things go with Piermont. Let's say uh, one of these fintechs that's listening to the podcast wants to get in touch. What's the best way to get a hold of, of the bank? Um, so they can go to our website. Um, the, the website has my email in it. Um, so they, you know, they can feel free to reach out. And I'm always happy to talk to fintechs or um, to other players that we could potentially collaborate with. Excellent. Excellent. And one more question too. So are you guys, from your perspective, are you guys taking any kind of investment in these fintechs? Because I've seen other of these, these banks that are 
kind of operating as a semi-private equity too. Is that something that Piermont's thinking about? Um, so no, it's not something that we're currently doing. Yeah, I think it's an interesting model, but not something that we're doing at this at this moment. Okay, fair enough. Well, thanks again for your time. Again, um, can't wait to see uh, which programs are launching in the next few months and look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Jeff. Cheers. Thank you. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.